Good evening, everybody. And as uh, Boris Johnson is putting pay to any plans you may have of visiting the stadium this time, uh, this side of the millennia, um, we thought we'd get together and have a quick chat. The announcements are going on as we speak, uh, but you have probably already heard them through. He also spoke already on Prime Minister's question, so we'll have a chat about it and what that might entail for the club. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm here and I am very welcomely joined by Tom. Tom, how are you? Very good, thank you. Good stuff. You are the only one dressed for the part today. In which town shirt is that? Um, the one, I think, do we do the second year in the conference, maybe? Was it? It was the one before? No, because the, the second year was the Liam Hearn one where it was like pinstripe, white stripes on it. Oh, yeah, I had that one as well. Maybe the year yeah. after that, then, I don't know. It yeah, looks pretty I... good. It looks quite 90s in sort of its styling. Yes, I like this one, actually. And, and, and there, to giving his um, uh, sartorial uh, opinions, uh, is Henry. Henry, how are you? Finished toiling in the fields? Not quite. Another, another couple of weeks getting it back in the ground, and then I'm on winter holidays, just as I can't do anything. What are we up to our knees in at the moment? Median dwarf week? Book week? Um, nothing, because it's not in the ground yet. But <laughs> <laughs> give me, I, I named two weeks. You've got to give me that. And the one of them wasn't whole. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're learning I'm, I'm learning yeah <laughs> and uh ian how are you over there yeah, very well one, thanks only one lincolnshire based yeah about five minutes from the stadium which is uh not that it makes any difference at the moment of course no no but uh, we well it did a, make did make the difference need, for one yeah we need an army of fans next time to try and put them off rather than just one air horn should we talk about that bright spot for a moment? So anyone who hasn't seen it, we put it up on our Twitter account and it's on Facebook as well. Uh, I think the, the gentleman's name is Lawrence and he, was, he obviously lives next to the ground and ha- was sat on his garage roof watching the game. And as the Salford player was taking their disputable second penalty, um, um, he decided to blow off an air, an air horn, which wasn't successful, but it's, at least the effort was there and the thought was there. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, about the only highlight, it seems. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, we'll start with that, and um, we just want to sort of, obviously, quickly touch on the um, the, the the minor furore, I guess, around um, some people vehemently opposed to to players taking the knee. We don't want to spend too much time on it because there's a lot of football to discuss. Oh, sorry. Uh, just before we carry on for for our listeners, I'm wearing the 2013-14 um, home shirt. <laughs> <laughs> The Gates head shirt. Yeah. Does it does it have a number Anderson on the back? Anderson will be interested most likely. So, yeah. does it have a number on the back though? Uh, I think it did. I think I had the Nielsen on the back at one point, um, but it seems to have disappeared. So, <laughs> much like he did in some say like Scott Nielsen in a game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so uh, both players agreed to take the knee and. Um, there were some quite uh, angry people about it. Only a few, may I just add, but um, we were quite happy to sort of stand up for, for the support of it. Ian, what did you have to say on the matter? As you've mentioned, don't really want to labour the point too much because there is a lot going on around it at the moment. But it's a very, very simple thing. Um, there's people conflating the Black Lives Matters organisation with the movement. And for me, they are two different things. Black Lives Matters organisation, you can choose whether you agree or disagree with what an organisation is doing, and that's entirely your choice. But Black Lives Matters as a movement, there is very, very little room for scope as to whether you think it's right or wrong. Um, 
players coming to Grimsby Town of all backgrounds, not just talking about race here, but, you know, sexuality and anything else that they may have going on in their personal lives need to feel welcomed at our club. We don't want to be seen as some backwater. We've had issues in the past, uh, notably with Aswad Thomas and a few other incidents as well. We are a club that's famously um, got some black cult heroes at our club, such as Tony Ford and Keith Alexander. And I see no reason why we should be now criticising a Black Lives Matters movement and potentially making some players feel uncomfortable. As you've said yourself, Alex, we had a post that went out on the Twitter account recently, which was liked by a couple of players from the current squad, um, appreciate with us stating our appreciation for them going through the Black Lives Matters movement. Excuse me, the, yeah, the movement rather than the organisation. But it's not just that. Um, anybody talking really about keeping politics out of football, unfortunately, the two are interlinked. There's so many clubs up and down the country which are linked to political movements, and it's just not as simple as that. And it just seems to simply be a refrain for something that gets said around the club that you don't agree with. Unfortunately, nowadays, uh, the situation is that simply we have to be more open-minded as people um, and learn more about why people, uh, particularly at the moment, obviously black people, are feeling the need to have to come out and publicise their views so widely because things are obviously not going right for them. Um, so we need to learn, we need to be accepting and as I've mentioned earlier on, we don't want Grimsby to be this backwater club because of a small minority of fans being very vocal. I don't think I could put it better myself. Is it, have you gents got anything else to say on that or we can move on to the next political matter? Uh, I would add that it's not just about uh, making players feel welcome, um, it's about making um, fans and backroom, I'm, I'm sure, um, in alluded to that as well but just to sort of underline that it's about making everyone feel welcome whatever their capacity um, is at their club whether it be a sport or player member of backroom staff coach um, and yeah it, it's it is a the it's an an idea in the 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 movement is an idea and people are certainly getting the the wrong end of the stick Henry, I would feel I'd feel rude not um, coming to you as well. Is there anything you want to say? You're all good. I don't really think I can add anything. I think the nail's been hit on the head there, really. Good stuff. So we'll move on to the the bigger political matter that happened today. So Boris Johnson's uh, announcement is going on at the moment, and if you're lucky enough, not like us, not having to listen to a blamange like Labrador, um, you'll have probably heard it on PMQs. Uh, so um, the current state of play is that the Clubs, clubs were looking at returning fans uh, within a week or two today uh, and at the start of October. I think October the 9th was the date that was sort of um, ingrained in some sort of sand. But unfortunately, um, that seems to have been moved away. So grounds will stay closed. And from the uh, announcement, it looks like they may stay closed to, for, for at least six months. Uh, which could see a massive downturn in, in the fortunes of the club and other clubs as well. Um, it kind of changes everything that we want to talk about. And, and we've all had a bit of a laugh with announcing Bogle and we are a main component of the, that wonderful furore and you are welcome for our work in it. <laughs> we, we are happy to bring it on. And even today I was sent a picture of uh, Bogle's uh, 
I think Instagram stories where he was on the phone to Dominic Vos. Uh, and as long as Dominic Vos wasn't listening to my opinions of him, he might have a nice opinion of town because I wasn't particularly very pleasant to Dominic <laughs> Vos as a footballer. Uh, but um, that, that rumour was brilliant. I don't think that rumour can happen anymore, do you gents? I mean, where, where, where are we now? Um, I'll come to Ian, what do you think? I think you're absolutely right. Obviously, uh, last time we were podding, I was talking about the weaknesses in the squad. But um, the problem with the, today's announcement changing things is presumably that is a huge, huge chunk of our um, finances taken out the window, even at a reduced level of sort of, I think it was 2,000 fans we were talking about having in the ground. Obviously, the I follow will make up some shortfall although whether that covers um, 2,000 people being in the ground or not was yet to be seen, of course. Um, I think as it stands at the moment, you've basically got to go with what we've got. I'm not convinced the squad is strong enough, as I've covered before, but I think uh, I think it might have been Tommy mentioned in the, the group chat earlier on that, in actual fact, this season might be more played out in the boardroom and the finances rather than on the pitch. Yeah, there's there's certainly some def- there are certainly some spaces in the squad. Was this was this something that the club were perhaps preparing for or anything, Henry? What are your thoughts on the the current situation? I think we're in survival mode at this point. To be honest with you, um, is it full two thousand eight two thousand nine mode? I think I think it probably is. Um, I think if we survive this season, we've not got into a mountain of debt and we've stayed up. I think that is a a big success because I, I think there will be multiple teams by the end of this season that won't exist anymore at so this point. Obviously, Macclesfield went Macclesfield, over. you're looking at Southend, Wigan, Bolton. I think there's a whole host and even teams that have overspent and overcommitted already. Um, you can't guarantee any income. I know our fans are good. You know, we'll have a good relative for the league, good amount of eye follow money. Um, I think fans will keep supporting in terms of the club shop and shares. But, you know, we're, we're shafted financially. And football's the one sport, really, where you look at it on the face of it and it doesn't deserve any public money. It shouldn't have any public money. And, and we're not going to get any from the Premier League. So I think it's every man for himself. If we, the, squad's, the squad's probably not where we want it to be in terms of strength and depth. But... I mean, if we if we stay up and we've not gone bust, I think that's a win at this point. I, so Philip Day um, released us uh, was on the radio, and he's. I, I always, uh, however my opinions of the board may be, he always comes across as a really amiable and sort of honest guy, and he's quite open in, in terms of discussing where the club, club currently sits. He said uh, with his interview with, "Oh, who's your mate who likes NFL?" Henry. On Humberside. Oh, Mike White. So he was talking to Mike White about um, where the club would sit. So he said that they had budgeted for the club to have average sort of 2,000 attendance uh, throughout the season. Uh, And obviously this will put pay to that if we don't return until March or after March. Um, And um, that if it continues as it does, it would cost the club in the region around £500,000. Now, the club in the last accounts... Uh, had a surplus cash surplus of seven hundred and twenty five thousand pounds 
they were released last November. So we're quite far into that now in terms of where the, where the, the last accounts were. So we're not 100% sure where in terms of what of that money is remaining. Obviously, that money didn't include the, the, the income from the Crystal Palace FA Cup game uh, and the Chelsea game uh, and Ian Holloway's £100,000 shares, as well as the money that has been so kindly donated and given by fans this year, with, which was in the regions of around 160000 I think it was, gents. I'm not sure. Um, but um, I, think, I think roughly, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't think there's any likelihood at the moment that the club is going to go under. I don't think there's any real concerns of that for the time being. Um, but it is going to have a major impact on where the club is moving forward. That was quite a nice little nest egg that was being slowly built that was hopefully going to go towards maybe a stadium redevelopment, stadium moving, building, anything like that. Tom, where do you where do you see the club going from here? And do you think one thing I'd like to ask you as well? Do you think the um, the COVID contract clause that we put in, which reduced wages by twenty five percent, should a second lockdown become uh, become enforced? Do you think other clubs have got that, or do you think we're in the minority? Um, I've absolutely no idea. Um, I, I think sorry, that was, that was such a shit question for you. I'm really well, sorry. I, I think the one thing you can say is that the fact that we lost, we essentially lost a player for having that would indicate that there are some clubs out there that, that don't have a clause like that. Um, and the fact that um, our players complained about having to take a pay cut would suggest that other players in the in the league didn't have to take a 25% pay cut um, because if it had been like a league-wide action by the PFA, I think it would have made some sort of sports section in the national newspapers. The fact that it didn't make a, you know, it basically was revealed by Ian Holloway would suggest that it was perhaps only at, at town. Um, I think it's a huge shame um, that we're not going to get crowds in. And um, you know, I've said this before, I think the, the board definitely deserve credit for us regularly turning a profit. I mean, we turned a profit on a couple of occasions when we were in the conference as well. And I, I know like we have different views about that, but I think it's you know the, the fact that we did have that little nest egg does highlight the importance of um, being financially prudent. And yes, we, we are a bit cautious. And like, if we have got £700,000 in the bank, why didn't we just blow it on Bogle? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Even now, I'm wondering why we're not doing it. It sounds stupid. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you look at just... Macclesfield's plight, Berry, um, Bolton, uh, I, I think having that cushion is at the moment even more important and and i, I do I'm, I'm with henry that i feel confident that we're we're not going to go under um i am cautious however about um i follow being um the sort of savior i think short term yeah it's going to allow people to watch the games i personally don't tune in um I don't agree with it. I think uh, televised, this is the thin end of the wedge for televised 3 p.m. kickoffs, um, and they will use this opportunity to make it the norm. And until you've experienced lower league football on the continent where nobody turns up and everybody has 
a real team who's in the top division or... The, I've been to watch Lincoln before 2016. I know what it's like. I, I don't think you can have like a genuine appreciation for how it, 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 it genuinely decimates um, having all the games in the top flight televised does... I don't know, there's a slight cultural difference as well in terms of how you follow football on the continent, but it, it completely decimates lower league football. Um, I've got a slight experience in France, and the only way I could probably attune it to is in, in, the, in the UK is similar to cricket and similar to sort of um, county cricket, where towns don't necessarily have a team, but your area or your region would do. Yeah. Um, I'm, we go to Aquitaine uh, near Bordeaux quite a lot and Bordeaux is certainly the team around there though Bergerac is a relatively sized town it'd probably be akin to something of the same size as Accrington or something here that that, that team is is almost in the same sort of levels as Grimsby Borough would be or, or or such where everybody just supports Bordeaux but that doesn't necessarily mean that they even go and watch those games they're still quite poorly attended um, it's just that they have a passing interest on it like anyone sort of would with a Man United shirt on and such. So I can kind of understand where you're coming from. I, there, Tom. I, I think Tom raises a really good point, actually. And it's, it's not just um, the thin edge of the wedge for 3pm kickoffs in the future, which I would be worried about for the same reasons. But you look at a whole host of things, you know, if we get a Premier League bailout, what's going to be the cost of that? Is it going to be some B teams? I, I think we've got to be very careful in terms of what we accept and, sort of what doors get opened further down the line. So I, I think Tom raises a good point with that. My, my, oh, sorry. My, my, my worst nightmare with that is the Premier League come back with not just wanting under 23 teams in, but they also want an FPL two, which has been muted before where yeah. larger championship clubs and Premier League clubs get relegated between themselves, but that's cut off from the rest of the leagues. The leagues then become regionalised and that's where the under 23 teams go into it. And so you've almost seen the entire bastardization of, of the football pyramid. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot, sorry Tom, there's a lot of uncertainty, so we need to be really careful with it in terms of what, what gets slipped in. But yeah, you go Tom. I, I just think with the, the, uh, the PL2, uh, in many ways we're already there. I mean, I was talking about this to someone who's a Cardiff City fan at work the other day. If you're... Like, you know, Lincoln are a really good example at the minute because Lincoln are genuinely, like, throwing quite a lot of money at their club at the minute. I mean, they, last season, I think it was, they had, like, um, four people who came forward and put, like, a, a six-figure injection into the club. You know, they've got some really wealthy backers. They're clearly signing players that are going to be earning decent. They're obviously well-placed as well. What, you know, where Lincoln is, it's an hour from Sheffield. It's an hour from Nottingham. Um, all right, this is enough. You know, like it's, they're, 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 no, but like you, you have okay, to think about like location. The, the ability to attract players is 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 in many ways dependent on location. We are we, you know, Skegness. The, t the three teams that I follow most closely, Grimsby, Skegness, and Boston, are all end of the line clubs, and um, it is in many ways difficult for them to attract players because you basically have to travel an hour from the main transport network to get to any of them. Um, which is is a huge factor in when people consider where they want to move to, um, and like the, the PL one, the PL two thing, like Lincoln, they're chucking money at it. But last year they struggled to even finish in mid table in League One, 
Now, if, like, for example, we got into League One, I can't really envisage at the moment, without a huge investor, us being able to get into the championship and then survive in the championship. It would be like a miracle if we got to the championship. And then if we got into the championship, we'd probably just come straight back down because you have to throw millions of pounds at it to, um, to, to get anywhere. The, the, the fluidity between... So it's almost like the structure for it is already in place. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's a it's a worry. Well, let's not let's not Ian, is there anything you want to add to that as well? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't come to you. That's Before all right. You... The only thing I would um, say is I don't know if anybody saw the figures and information that was put out by uh, Colchester about I follow earlier. Yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of so just if, in case anybody hasn't, um, any home tickets sold, um, the home club gets the full money from those. On away tickets, they get the first 500 go to the home club, and after that, goes to the away team. So essentially what Colchester are concerned about is the fact that teams like Bolton, for example, which are traditionally going to be big, um, having a larger away following than uh, a lot of clubs in League Two, um, are actually going to be massively benefiting from this. So they've essentially said that... Um, Normally, they'd expect to get £54,000 from a home game. Um, but they're now looking at getting just £8,000 from this match. Uh, whereas Bolton for the match would have got about £600 in uh, a commission payment. But now, instead, they're going to get 14000 So, essentially, Bolton are looking like getting double the money from an away game that even the clubs at home are going to get. So, it really is. I know you were touching on it earlier on about a lot of clubs going out of business. It's going to be those traditionally smaller clubs you know, the ones that get joked about as being tin pot or horrible places to go on a Tuesday night kind of thing, who are going to be the ones that are going to really, really have to dig deep. Um, but does the anyone only thing I could say, <coughs> um, <coughs> maybe those two fans that go. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think with Grimsby that might actually be slightly beneficial when it comes to the um, money from away fans, if you like, is based on really what Tom's just been saying about us being an end-of-the-line type place, we know that our attendances are a bit lower because we can be tougher to get to, but actually maybe some more away fans will purchase iFollow matches. Sorry, do you think it's going to help us? We've obviously got quite a large away following where people, considering we've got a relatively small home attendance, let's be entirely honest, but we have a larger hardcore support than most other clubs. Do you think that is going to maybe sort of branch out into the IFL and we'll actually make some money on away games more regularly than we would do in, in real life? Real I think life. it certainly <laughs> looks that way, yeah. Feel like I, think, I, think those, I think those statistics, that, and I saw that Colchester's tweet, and uh, I'm glad Ian brought it up because I think it's a really important point. But I, I think like when, when you know, if people who are listening are thinking, oh, well, that would be a great way to support the club. You know, my, my personal opinion is that, yes, in the short term, it is fantastic. Um, but I think if you can resist the temptation and be confident that the club will survive, I think long term, the more people that don't actually support it, the more beneficial, because they're going to they're gonna use those statistics because it's all going to be logged. Yeah, we had this many for this game, this many. And they're going to use that to endorse it, to say, People want to watch football at three o'clock, and and yes, there'll be oh well, you you couldn't go, 
where they st- they will you know people swing a story any way they want, don't they? And they will use those statistics to demonstrate. And the 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 Premier League, um, yeah, they'll be they'll be looking with interest at this as well because they'll be like Henry said about keeping the bigger clubs uh, at Championship level. They'll be looking at those like clubs who are getting a lot of people and thinking, well, you know, if if we go to like a franchise system. They'll be like top of the list because they get really big viewer numbers, and they'll be down. And I don't know. It's, it's, I, I think we're on a real, um, it's a really dangerous point for small football teams, teams that aren't in the top two divisions. Um, they're on a on a knife edge at the minute, not just because of um, COVID, but what everything that's being implemented at the minute within the game means in the long term so let's not get too dystopian there is a light at the end of the tunnel we might be able to get out in the sunshine at some point when you know it's winter but um we have had some games we've had four actually uh does anyone remember the Morecambe game no good okay next one we'll move on Harrogate so we drew 1-1 at Morecambe we lost on penalties no one cares and then uh Harrogate so Harrogate uh, Harrogate was that was probably the highlight of the season so far. That is <laughs> a very entertaining game. I loved every second of that. I thought we were fantastic. I don't know how you guys felt. I thought the young guys were brilliant. I liked a lot. Looked uh, like the the lot of them. Harrogate are obviously a recently promoted team. They haven't lost too many of their squad, and they're quite well well matched. And they're obviously going to be quite a tough opposition to beat. Obviously, it hammered Southend, but we know how their position is. I was really enjoying that game and I really liked it. Ian, what did you think? Did you have a chance to watch any of it? Continued with my checker trade boycott or EFL trophy boycott. So, <laughs> okay, can, I'm, um, just gonna, I'm just going to say this. I've got the season pass thing from France or whatever it is. So it's included, which is why I didn't pay for it. <laughs> that's fine. You blocked. justify yourself however you want, Alice. <laughs> I, no, um, I listened to it on Humberside. Is that allowed? It, it depends, yeah. I think. No, at the end of the day, people do what they want. I think it's it's a different season, and not many, not a lot of attention <laughs> is going to be paid to uh, B team boycott or checker trade trophy boycott or anything like that at the moment. Um, <clears throat> I, I saw the lineup um, and the results, and obviously the uh, um, <clears throat> record being broken for youngest appearance and youngest goal scorer now, of course. Lewis um, Boyd of Healing School. Now, far be it from me, be, as, as someone who grew up in a village where everyone went to Healing and I went to the country school, I mean, his life is tough enough as it is going to Healing. But to score that and then to, to, to come on and then to score again and then come on again the following week, it was, it was a lot of fun for him, wasn't it? It, looked a, it was a well-taken goal. A right, cracking goal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not very often you get two club records broken in a night and two long-standing club records. So, um, yeah, that was that was a memorable one, and it's a shame. It was it was it was good to see such a, a young team put in such a good performance, regardless of the tournament. And we got our first win, technically, ever yes. in that tournament. Winning draw, first winning, <laughs> winning draw. draw, and it was it was just the first of the two. It was the second of the two, well, the second of the third of the three penalty shootouts that we've had this season. Obviously, the three at Salford. Uh, and then we started the, the full season as a whole at Walsall. A 1-0 defeat. Uh, not as positive. Tom, what did you think of the Walsall game? Did you see any of it or see the highlights or anything? Nah. Um, 
<laughs> I did. I might have watched the highlights, but um, I don't know. My uh, the only thing I would say is that having gone on like sort of what people think in pre-season, I think Walsall are probably going to be one of the teams that are up there and losing one nil to them might not look such a bad result come the end of the season. That's my sort of good feeling on Walsall. There are certainly not a team that you would have won and faced straight away. Only one other team had not had, I think it was only Port Vale that hadn't had such a a small turnover of squad. The vast majority of their first team were still in. So, during this elongated lockdown period and sort of pre-season period, they were in constant, I'd imagine, constant communication with their teams, talking about fitness regimes and had their, I don't know, their physios on track and everything like that. So a relatively tough away game. Obviously, we won it last year. I was really worried about the, the fitness of our players and, and we've spoken about it a lot. The lack of pre-season was really they, showing, wasn't it, Ian? They looked they look tired second half. And my my annual takeaway from the Warsaw game was we looked like a group of 11 players that hadn't really met each other before and hadn't had a pre-season. And that is pretty much bingo, exactly what we are. So um, there, are, there are a lot of individual sort of like, you'd look at a player like uh, Preston at left back and then, you know, decent player, you know, he's going to be all right. And same with Edwards at front. But as a, as a team, I think we looked a bit off the pace, to be honest. <coughs> Vastly, what was your thoughts, Ian? Did you see any of it? Yeah, it, it comes down to what we've said before and on the last pod and a little bit at the start of tonight as well. There's a lot of um, talent in the squad or potentially in the squad in terms of young players. The, the problem comes, um, A, the pre-season hasn't been good enough. I think we can all agree that playing one friendly against Clee Town um, is never, ever going to be enough to have people ready to go. Um, despite, I know that there was comments on social media from, I think, Jack Emerson that they played a couple of behind-closed-doors. I'd expect behind-closed-doors to be nothing more than a standard training session, realistically speaking. Um, however, um, my concern, as I've said before, yes, I think it's going to be played out a lot in the boardrooms this season, but we have got quite a tough start um, with Walsall um, and Salford obviously already gone. Um, and then Bolton and Bradford to come as well, who would I expect to, generally speaking, have strong squads just based on having larger budgets potentially than us. Um, if we do not pick up a lot of points from this start, which is already not looking promising, it's how the youngsters, their mentality goes as much as their actual ability. We've seen it in the past with Town putting a few good youngsters into the side and they... Uh, look promising and start off well but then the weight of expectation if you like starts to drag them down a bit the only thing I can hope is actually in some ways not having fans in the ground might be beneficial for them uh, and ask of you gents do you think it was responsible of Holloway to bring on a 15 year old when we're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go in that game where the team are uh, pretty yeah, much yeah I mean he, he played really well on Wednesday and scored a goal like if anyone deserves to come on off the bench it's probably him to be fair um, he wants to be a professional footballer give him the experience I think I he had, earned it so I had to ask I thought it was a little bit silly but um, if I'm if I'm in the minority I'm happy to to have that we've got quite a few players on the bench that have are obviously of an older age and we're, we're there as an option I just found it a bit of a, a lot to sh- a lot of responsibility I guess for a young lad but yeah. I mean we've We've had a bit of rotation going into the Salford game, and has anyone else really stood out as deserving to um, 
get some playing time at the minute. Can I ask you a, a question on that as well then, in terms of, should we be concerned that Ira Jackson Jr. and Cissé, uh, two, club, two, two prof, prof, well, semi-professional footballers that have been playing for a long time, haven't been deemed as fit as Lewis Boyd when, when, we're, when we're looking at rotation and, and squad? They haven't been named in one squad yet, if I remember rightly. What we don't know if they were coming when they came, when they joined, whether they were carrying a knock or an injury. Um, they might well, have... you thought that had been put on the list, wouldn't you? Like, if they're carrying an injury, that would have been... Like, we've, well, we've got uh, a long uh, list. What, what I'm saying is they are not, not necessarily injured now, but perhaps not up to a, a fitness level that's required because they came in, you know, and we only had one pre-season friendly and... I think about two and a half weeks before the season actually was due to start, we only had like a squad of 11, didn't we? And they've all come in after yeah. that. So yeah. they might not have changed, you know, it might be a case of they don't want to risk them because they're going to be more likely to be in the squad as, as the season goes on. Whereas uh, Lewis Boyd is perhaps just being given an opportunity, rewarded for scoring against Arrogate. And um, realistically, is not going to be involved as much as the other two going forward. So, um, with with him perhaps being sort of fully fit, I don't know, because he's a teenager, um, maybe just chuck him on and give, yeah. like Henry said, reward him for coming on and smacking one in the top corner. I mean, he didn't just smack it in the top corner. He did a lovely pitch to get the half a yard to have a shot, didn't he, as well? Not that I yeah. watched it. <laughs> he did pretty well Ian I just want to return to your point about the difficulties of the teams we're facing at the moment so um, 3-6-1 we've talked about them a few times that have, have put like the projected final positions of all the players and we've got a relatively tough start for the season so um, we've uh, Warsaw were expected to finish 11th then we've played Salford who are expected to finish 4th then the numbers after that are for, the, for, the, for our upcoming fixtures are 7th, 5th, 1st 15th, 16th and 19th. So the next three games are really tough ones in terms of who we've got coming up. Do, do we expect it to, be, to get a bit worse before it gets better? I'm, I'm probably asking you guys. Uh, I would almost certainly... Sorry, Henry. Um, apologies. Yeah, you go, you go Ian. I, I would almost certainly say yes. Um, and a, a big chunk of that, unfortunately, has got to go Holloway's way or the, the backroom's way because of the lack of fitness. Um, you know, the, the absolute minimum you need when you're going up a team that is expected to be better than you is to be able to challenge and not tire. Um, but, uh, as we've said, it is a tough start. My only hope is that, and it's, it's something I think Holloway will do well, is that the mentality in the squad is kept high um, because then they need to be able to recover when they do get to the so-called easier games after that um, and not be in, that, in the doldrums already. Uh, you can see it a lot. If a team doesn't win four or five games, or we ourselves at Town have seen it 23 games without a win um, in the past and things. Um, winning is a habit, as the old cliche goes. And uh, if you forget how to do it, um, particularly as a new, newly thrown together squad, then uh, it might become a problem a bit further on as well. So before we move on to the Solval game, then, I'd, I'd kind of like a question that we should probably have posed, I should have posed at the end, but... Do you think the club should, given the current situation, be in the market for other players? And if so, should their directions be turned away from someone like Omar Bogle, but to someone a little bit more utilitarian, shall we say? I'll go think, with you, Henry, first. 
I think you need... I mean, the squad could always do with more quality. Um, but it depends how much you it depends how much you want to spend, and it depends how much is realistically left in whatever budget we've got. I mean, you you don't know how exactly how much a Boga wanted, or b how much we've got to spend on him. You know, they could be three grand a week apart for all we know, and. If teams don't, would you if be, teams don't bite on Bogle in the next few weeks, maybe he comes down <laughs> in price. But would you? I don't know. Would you be okay if the club didn't sign anybody else now, given the current circumstances? Yeah. Okay. And and Tom, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, if we can sign Bogle, we should sh- sign him. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just like this idea that in like three years' time, we're handing the keys of Blundell Park over to Lincoln City for a, an academy, going, it was totally <laughs> worth it, we got Bogle. <laughs> um, no, but I'm like, yeah, I'm with Henry, really. If, if we don't feel like we can afford <laughs> to sign someone, I'm sure we'll be, you know, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Do you think like, we'll be at, at the end of the day, like, if you can't... You're trust, another day older. If, if you can't trust Holloway to get the most out of a squad in League Two, then who are you going to trust kind of thing? Like, yeah. I, I think it showed at the Harrogate game, like, he had, he had a bunch of 15, 16-year-old youth teams out and he coached them up to as good as they could be and they played really well. And, you know, we've got a, we've got a young team who've never met each other. You know, they've got to bed in and get fit. And it's a tough start. I think uh, it's a little bit hanging there. Like, and I don't think the squad as it is will go down. So... If the club don't feel comfortable in signing someone because of the money, then so be it this year. Last 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 Sunday or Sunday just gone, the, the Tour de France finished, and the joke at the beginning of the tour was, um, you know, the, the person who wins it is probably going to be in the team that makes it to the end of the race because they announced before it started if anybody in your team gets like post test positive for coronavirus, your team's going to be kicked off the tour, and. I, in a way, it kind of feels like this season, like in, in League One and League Two, if you make it to the end of the season um, as a fully functioning football club with the finances to go, you're, you're probably going to be okay. And I feel like even though um, Philip Day has announced that we're, we expect to lose a lot of money, because we've got that little nest egg, um, we will probably make it till the end of the season. And, um, oh yeah, we definitely will. Yeah, the, I don't think there's a question of that. Unless, and I, I would agree with what we said at the beginning of the program that the some of some of the other clubs aren't going to make it that far. That I, I, that t- tweet about Colchester United earlier today, I think that was a tweet of um, somebody looking at the situation and realizing how desperate it is for a lot of clubs. Um, I don't. I don't know about Cur- Colchester's current plight, but I certainly know what it was a couple of years ago. And they were spending. They were losing around twenty six thousand pound a week on their players. They were making an absolute. They were. They were being charged an absolute fortune. And um, so I don't know if that's there. I think that's a huge, uh, you know, a huge shame <clears> that we find ourselves in that situation. But from a, a Grimsby Town perspective, I, I don't think it's something that. We, um, you know, uh, if you if you're thinking of like worst case scenario, I think we can survive that worst case scenario, and I think that worst case scenario 
is going unless like there's a major intervention from the Premier League, which there won't be. Um, the you know I, I think we're we're not going to be bottom of the pile, and I also think that like yeah okay. Let's just give the players. We've signed a load of young players who want to prove something. Let's just give them a go. It'd be fun. Ian, what do you? Ian, what do you think? Uh, do you think the club? Are, would you be happy if the club didn't sign anyone now, given the current changes? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be. I wouldn't be so upset either way. I, I still think that, you know, looking at the squad at the moment, the one thing we could do with is an experienced player up front. Because um, we just don't know what seems to be going on with Hansen, but he's missed a few spells since he's been with us. But you know, obviously, it's it's going to be finance to dictate, as Tom and Henry have both said. There's going to be clubs almost certainly go to the wall, unfortunately. So it's whether it's worth for this season just going with what you've got. Maybe you finish twentieth in a twenty-team league, but nobody's going to go down from that league then. Yeah. Um, and in actual fact, the finances of the club long term are more important than anybody you're going to get in at the moment. Unless it's Bogle. Um <laughs> What are your thoughts, Alex? Do you go against the grain or are you, are you I, generally agreeing with us? I think, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a buyer's market, isn't it, Jen? Uh, I think there are going to be deals done. Be, I think there will be. I wouldn't be disappointed if we... I would be disappointed, but I wouldn't be unhappy or... or setting torches alight if we didn't sign anyone. If we have to readjust our budget now, then, then so be it. I think we would be fine. I don't think there's a problem with us going to the end of the season um, in terms of survival. Um, but I think there are a lot of players still out there that haven't been assigned to a club. And I think today's announcement has just dropped their wages by 25%. And um, I th- it'll be one hashtag of these... Hashtag sign Bogle. Hashtag sign Bogle. I think what might happen is you might find a lot of clubs stay like this until January. And then when that second window opens and... The, the future looks a bit more certain you might see a couple more clubs going well hang on we're only 10 points off playoffs let's let's sign Bogle from town for 3 million and uh, you never know um, but we'll go to, Bogle yeah hashtag announce Bogle um, I, what, I mean he should signed him I'd be so excited I think Bogle should get rid of his agents because we're doing all the work here we're doing all the <laughs> legwork for this guy because even if he doesn't come to us we're getting his name in the paper whether it be over here in town or over in, in Ghana. Ghana yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing the best we can here um, let's go on to the final game and then we'll wrap up uh, if anyone has unless anyone has any AOP we lost oh, four yeah. to um, just with regard to the Salford game, because we were going to talk about, like, is that what we're going to talk about now? Yes. Oh, sorry, mate. Go on. Do we, have right, to do, we, do we have to talk about the Salford I game? don't think it was as bad as people are making it out to be. We had more shot. Only three other teams in the, in, uh, the four leagues had more shots inside the box than we did. Um, I thought we looked pretty well on the ball. Uh, I think the first goal was just lazy and was unforgivable in a way, not just for Hewitt, but for the other players as well. You expect your, your defence and your captain of a goalkeeper to shout man on when you're, when you're going through with that kick and you've got your back to a guy. The second uh, penalty I thought was ludicrous. Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, and then after that, I think you're pushing and you just leave yourself open at the back. And that kind of what's happened. I don't know how you gents feel feel about that. And by the way, I don't really like Salford. They're like Newport, and that's my dog licking, uh, having a, having a glass of water. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it wasn't as bad as the scoreline would suggest, but 
you know, there was still the same issues that we've, we've spoken about um, at different points. Uh, I think the second penalty was given for handball, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, but like you say, um, some of the thing, one of the things you've just mentioned there about the communication in terms of the defence and uh, McEwen sort of shouting man on, some of those things may come over time. Um, but although, having said that, it's a pretty basic Sunday League thing to be warning your player that there's a man behind them within a yard or so. Well, um, as, 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 a, as a central defender of a five-a-side team that hasn't conceded in 90 minutes of football, um, <laughs> I shout man on even when there's no one near them just to freak them out. <laughs> <laughs> that is also why you play in brown shorts, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Well, the, the, uh, my teammates certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the only thing just to temper the... Uh, we, you know, I know we were quite high up on the shots in the box kind of thing. Um, and I know that there's quite a few people out there who won't subscribe to this, um, but the the XG on it was really low. So we were taking, and it was you could see it in the game. We were taking a lot of shots that yes, they were inside the box, but they weren't in kind of positions where you would reasonably expect to sort score of certainly after the first thirty minutes. Yeah, narrow okay. angles or um, through bodies of the box through bodies exactly. Okay. That's I know there was a few few early on in the sort of the first half an hour. Um, Obviously, yeah, Edwards went one on one, for example. Um, we had the ball cleared but, off the line twice, didn't we? Yeah, they were towards the end, I think, weren't they? By uh, Omen both times, I think. Yeah, uh, one was. I think one was in the first half, and I think one was in the second at the very late on. We we did create chances. I just, I don't know. I quite like the looks of O.R. Edwards. I don't know how you guys feel about him, but he feels very much like a, another Agpa Agpro where he's a bit like a Jamie Oliver dish, where you go, that sounds nice, that's good, that's good. And then he decides to put banana in chilies or something like that, and he just skews he's, it wide. He's young and he's raw, but he's got a lot of a physical ability, <laughs> and he needs a coach like Holloway and a bit of game time to learn how to use it, really. Yeah. yeah and that's why he's with us and not at Bristol. Rovers. <laughs> Yeah, um, it is. Um, Tom, have you got any thoughts on it? I, don't, I don't, didn't know if you said you saw any of the Sulphur game. No, I haven't even watched the highlights yet. I completely forgot. Uh, the only thing I'd say is... Do you, like, do you want, uh, shall we play them now and you can sort of give your uh, immediate reaction to it? No, you can try it if you want. I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how long I they don't are. Think, I don't think I need to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is, though, from just looking at it, is three penalties... Same old town story. We lack discipline. We just lack discipline. And there's um, quite a few people came out and said, oh, Salford were a horrible team. They surrounded the referee and gave him you know, loads of grief and stuff and that we need to learn more about the dark arts, blah, 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 blah. If you give three penalties away in one game, um, you are an ill-disciplined team. And that is it. And that is the same. And then like Maka in terms of, uh, I I don't know if you remember when. Good save that one, wasn't it? it? Um, When when Henderson replaced Maka, I think the one thing that I think everybody noticed about Dean Henderson was that he was talking all the time. That's a penalty, isn't it? Yeah, that was the one where it's sort of no one shouts really man on at him, I don't think. And that was one thing you noticed as well. Walsall, their players, and, and Wickham were made an, an, a point of this. This is the second one, Tom. You'll like this one. There you go. That's the pe- second penalty. 
Yeah, but I don't know. Like, it's hang on, we, hang on, two seconds. Let's see if we can hear that bloke with his air horn. There you go. <laughs> but um, Walsall and Wickham have made points of being re- having their staff and their players being really loud during the game, using it to influence the ref, give some sort of atmosphere. Yeah. I found Blundell Park probably quite naturally was quite quiet. Um, yes, yeah, no different to normal then. No, not really at all. And defending for that goal was terrible. He just waltzed in, didn't he? Yeah. He did. It was, but I don't think it was as bad as as what was made out. But it certainly showed our frailties. Yeah, he's got a handful of shirt there. Penalty. Yeah, three stupid penalties. I mean, did he get sent off for that as well? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there you go. He was three 0 down at that point. Or was it 3-0 at that point? Yeah, we were 3-0 down, yeah. 3-0 down. So he's, he's given away a penalty and he's pulled his shirt. So he's got sent off. He's got says, you know, just let him score. <laughs> he's going to score anyway. Let him just do it. He's going to score anyway, yeah. And don't, you're not, you haven't got a suspension then. I just, I don't know, just engage your brain. That's why they're playing in League Two, because they don't do that. I like this. I like this thing of, of maybe this should become a regular feature if Tom's not subscribing to iFollow, where we just make him watch the highlights as we as we're sat here. Could be a long winter. Are we inviting the Samaritans onto the pod at the same time? Then are we? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be honest. Tom's worldview of football in the future sounds like he needs the Samaritans now. Never mind later. If I'm being entirely honest. Um, so, I mean, they were the goals. That was it, where we are. We have got Cheltenham next, who are going to be a really tough opponent. They were brilliant last season, weren't they? Um, we always love Cheltenham away, don't we? Always love. I was l- looking forward to this one because I was going to go to that. Good yeah, same. And um, then you've got um, Bradford, Bradford at home. That, that, does it really matter saying home and away anymore? Uh, and then we've got Hull in Carecom at EFL. KC, birds, eh? Burnsy got KC. We're going to be on <laughs> FM. <laughs> um, and then we've got Bolton at the University of Debt. University. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not an easy run of fixtures, is it? It isn't really. And then it's Leighton Orient away. How gutting is that? We are missing our London game. With I fully, expect the, I fully expect the Owls boys to be out there in lockdown. Just in just case, yeah. the gate. The yeah. smell of absinthe was strong that day. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's sort of what's coming up. Um, and has anyone got AOB before we move on and before we make our ways and go home? Um, no, not really, to be honest. Good. That's, that's, that's where we like to leave our podcast, people feeling desolate and alone. Anything from you, Ian? No, nothing from me, Alex. Good. And from yourself, Tom? Yeah. Good, thank God. I don't want to hear any more Premier League are going to take over the world stuff. It's terrifying me. Um, and that's and that's it. Thank you all so much for joining us. We will see you very shortly. We will do uh, one of these, hopefully, uh, before the, the Hull game and um, go from there. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. Keep safe. Wear a mask. Don't, 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 don't take sweets from strangers. Goodbye. <laughs>